Welcome back, lifters. Another week. Very exciting. Uh, it's almost Halloween. Almost, you know, holiday season. Very exciting. Um, I decided to take a break last week simply because it was such a heavy topic for everybody to digest. I really wanted you guys to let everything sink in that I was saying. Um, we got some comments um, a lot of them very positive, uh, so I'm really, really happy for that. Some of them started some great conversations, so I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, but no really negative commentary on the white privilege episode, which I feel very encouraged about because it was something that I was very nauseous about that entire week before filming when I made the script. So thank you all for being gracious listeners who actually understand our objective on the show. It's very encouraging. (laughs) Um, So I've had this script ready for quite a while. Uh, That being said, I just kind of want to intro. If you follow us on Instagram, which please do, uh, it's at lifting the rug. Um, One of our stories, I took a picture of a newspaper and it's basically it was very very I felt very moved by this newspaper in a person's driveway um I just I was very taken aback by it I hadn't seen it in so long and it's these sweet sweet neighbors that we have that um they get their newspaper to them every single day, doesn't miss a beat, and they're the sweetest people. And I just felt so, it was such a POV shift. And I remembered a time, a simpler time, when people weren't, weren't getting their news fed to them instantaneously through the scroll culture that we're in. Um, that time is so important. You know, we had time to digest what news we were getting, what angles we were getting it from. We were taking time to read about the credibility of the authors that were feeding us this news. Um, We don't have time anymore to be, are we being fed the right kind of news at such a light speed rate? What does that look like? Uh, Digesting news can directly affect people's votes that is the future and there is definitely an agenda and I don't I think I know what it is but I don't know for sure and I think doing this podcast is a big thing for me trying to figure this out there is an agenda behind the people that are creating the news that we're getting at this light speed they're calling it progress I'm calling it Does it really need to be all politics that are being fed to us? Because we can make anything political these days. That used to not be the case because we had these great things called newspapers where people were able to sit and read and drink their coffee, talk about it with a family member. It was a conversation piece and it was something where people can intellectualize it and think about it. Now it is something where you show a family member something that is about a topic that could potentially be politicized. So this is where you stand on it and this is where they have to stand on it because they're a Democrat and I'm Republican and that's just how it has to be. If you would have told someone 
back in the 90s or even to early 2000s that this was the future, I think they'd be shocked. And I don't think that they would call it progress because I sure don't. <laughs> um, we're no longer voting for a party, but we're voting for particular people, regardless of their party. That is the direction of something that we are going to be talking about today. That's the direction of the moderate vote. So a lot of times we talk about uh, just the objective of our podcast. First and foremost, labeling yourself as a moderate is is very, very uh, gray <laughs> these days. You kind of can't do that. Uh, a lot of people will think certain ways about you if you're like, I'm a moderate. I don't really... Like, I believe in who I'm voting for. I don't believe in the party all the time. I just want to believe in the person that I'm voting for. That used to be the case in the era of the newspaper and, like, actual news broadcasting and actual talk show hosts and all of this stuff. The media was compartmentalized in a way where we could digest the news and we could understand who we were voting for. Now it's a lot of gray area. So... What I'm trying to do is dissect what the moderate party really is today compared to what it was before and how it's evolved and how really they're the ones maybe that got it right a little bit, but it's another perspective. And I really want to jump into this new POV with you guys. So, uh, of course I did a lot of research and I want to talk to you guys about it and see what you think. So, Uh, First article comes from historicalindex.org, and it was published on September 27th, 2022, by Jacob Queen, and it's simply entitled, What is a Political Moderate? Very simple, very to the point. Uh, We'll go to his first quote. Generally, this will generally be used to describe someone who doesn't hold views on far edges of the political spectrum. Some of these people may identify with a particular party or they may describe themselves as independents. If they consider themselves members of a party, a political moderate will often be open-minded about ideas from opposition parties, and they generally aren't partition on any issues, partisan on any issues, pardon me, end quote. So that's like a very, very broad uh, way of looking at a moderate and in the fact that he called them an independent. That means something different. Um, He's saying that a very blanket statement of they do not have any, um, they generally don't take sides is basically what he's saying. Very blanketed statement. They don't take sides on any issues. I would argue that especially in the past when we had newspapers and like I said, all the, that era of news, uh, moderate parties were um it was it was more i think it was actually more common or everyone was considered a moderate in some way because those extremists were few and far between now we've become a world of extremists so look at it through that lens in the sense that a lot of people were just able to make sense of things more because they were able to let it sit with them for longer periods of time and they were able to formulate real opinions. And usually those didn't swing to extreme parts of the spectrum, of the political spectrum. We'll continue. 
Quote, as issues change, the concept of political moderate viewpoints change as well. The designation of political moderate is based on the whole spectrum of their political beliefs. Many moderates don't really feel comfortable with any political party, but their views often lean in one direction or another to some degree. So now he's kind of talking out of both sides of his um, spectrum, we'll call it, (laughs) Uh, because he just said that they don't really take sides, but their views often lean to one side. So I'm this confused me. Um, but then he's also saying that there's a whole spectrum of political beliefs. So this is what I'm saying. Moderate is very gray. And but back then it wasn't. They people want you to think that a political moderate is doesn't exist anymore. But I think it can, and I think it will, <laughs> if um if we can actually define it. Another quote, the viewpoints of political moderates can sometimes be ignored by the media because they aren't often as vocal. In most cases, those with the most extreme beliefs are also much more political, politically active, and they can create the perception of a more device, divisive political environment. Some people think that the mainstream media purposefully creates the perception of more extreme political division, possibly in order to generate better television ratings, and print media sales. Many media outlets have consistently disputed this viewpoint. Well, I wonder why, because they're the ones creating the trouble. Um, So he did a beautiful job here. I loved this concluding part of the article. It's basically saying that (laughs) moderates will be ignored because scroll culture demands that you pick a side. Uh, That is where we are headed. So moderates need to be erased. And he he like busts them a little bit like these media whoever's creating it these media hunger people which is everybody these days let's be honest you scroll through something something political will show up i 100 percent tell you that that is going to be the case um let's say that you've never talked about anything political in your entire life. You've never searched anything political in your entire life. You are a 70-year-old man who has grown up with, who has never touched a smartphone and who has downloaded TikTok or Instagram or Facebook for the very first time. Something political will show up on your feed and you start thinking differently about things. Or you're just like, mm, I'm throwing this away because this is not real news. I think... This really encapsulates what fake news means. It, it, it made me think about what fake news is and the definition of it, the core of fake news. The core of fake news is light speed news. There's no such thing. People, unless it's breaking news, not everything can be breaking news, but that is how the world is right now. Like we are feeding you all this information. Do with it what you will, but pick a side. That's fake because in the real world, you listen, you really, really think about both sides. You read about different articles. You read about what this guy thinks and what this guy thinks. You read about the opinions column. Where did the opinions column go? Guess what? I'm the opinions column. Enjoy. And then you say, okay, this is real. Like I have a well-rounded idea of what this idea in the news, the political issue is. And I know what these authors are saying. And I could say that I'm a Democrat. Done. 
That's it. That was how it was, how it used to be. Or you could say, "Mm, I don't really, I don't know. This guy has a really good point, but I don't really love what he stands for, but I hate the political candidate on the other side. I need to vote for this guy because I just, that's just how it's going to be. And that used to be acceptable and okay, and it's not anymore. So I just want to ask a, a mental question for you guys to kind of think about. Does this describe you? When people, when he says, going back to the viewpoints of political moderates can sometimes be ignored. Some people think that the mainstream media purposefully creates the perception of more extreme political views, possibly in order to generate better television ratings and print media sales. Does this describe what you think media is? In the political climate, that that was not, that doesn't that's not the quote, but I'm just saying to you, in the political climate that we're in, most people cringe to label themselves as Republicans or Democrats. Some will call these people wusses or wishy-washy. The question is, is this the only way to have these healthy conversations that we've been talking about? Is labeling yourself the wrong thing to do? Is it going to be a whole new party, this moderate party? Is it the only way to break out of the scroll culture and bring back the Reader's Digest (laughs) version of news, which used to be what we had? And I feel was a great infrastructure for healthy conversation and actually great political outcomes. Maybe not stellar, but better than what we have going on right now, let me tell (laughs) you. So it seems like every liberal person is against these moderate people, especially those who agree with social liberal issues. And at the same time, support conservative economic perspective. Uma Algapan from Dear Dartmouth Publications released an article on September 28, 2020, entitled, Are You Socially Liberal and Fiscally Conservative? She expresses her disdain in anyone who associates associates with these mixed beliefs. Give you a direct quote. 2020 has made politics more personal than ever. Still, there are some individuals, particularly those who are fortunate enough to remain healthy during the pandemic and to have never personally experienced American anti-blackness, whose politics remain impersonal. Many of these are the same people who claim their social liberalism and fiscal conservatism with pride. So that's an end quote. Um... Let's talk about the condescending tone of that. (laughs) I don't like that because you're telling me that people aren't entitled to their own opinion. Isn't that the point of freedom of press, freedom of ideas, whatever was happening, they should have the right to hold those ideas, believe in them and express them and not have this condescending tone be thrown back at them for having these ideas. I'm going to continue with the last quote that I have. Tax tax revenue has decreased. So the question remains, how does the United States account for the gap in government expenditure and tax revenue? Fees and fines. Unsurprisingly, the burden of these fees and fines disproportionately rests on those with lower incomes and higher rates of policing, people of color, specifically those who are black and Latina. Additionally, the estate tax cuts favor those with generational wealth in the United States, predominantly white people. 
Fiscal conservatism is incompatible with social liberalism. Okay, end quote. It was very interesting that in my research for this subgroup of moderates, where social liberty and fiscal conservatism, you've heard it before, you've heard it around the dinner table, I'm sure. Well, you know, they're fiscally conservative, but they believe in, you know, the the ability for a woman to make her choice if she wants to live or die. Like, she, like things like that. You know what I mean? Just those social issues that were hot button. But they also believe that, like, money talks, shit walks. You know, like, that kind of conservative idea of just, like, you got business is business and that's it. And things about stock and things about taxes. And they believe in all that. And it used to be acceptable. Um, but this subgroup, all the articles that I that came up were negative and created by liberals. Every single one of them, I could not find a Republican written um, or even moderate written article about the pros of this idea of social liberalism and fiscal conservatism. There was one about conservative funds not being accommodating to climate change and another one about being fiscally conservative, not being possible if you believe in social or racial, dis- racial disparities. Why is it so important for liberals to eliminate this subgroup? Will it ruin what they are going, what they have going? They seem to be the loudest in canceling these types of moderates, and I don't understand why. So I went on to the next kind of subgroup of the moderate party that we have going on right now. The University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy posted an article by Mike Pillariz, um, Pillars, I think, February 14th, 2022. So this year, it's entitled The Overlooked Power of Moderate Voters in the Era of Polarization. This focus on research conducted by Anthony Fowler, professor at University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy, along with a team of co-authors. So this... <laughs> was like light at the end of the tunnel because I finally found something that made sense. It's something that I could hold on to and be like, okay, so this is how moderate voters are viewed in a real life lens, in a lens that matters, in a lens where the voting matters. And it took me back to a time when moderates made sense. So, quote, they propose a novel framework for sorting and studying the American electorate revealing that moderates hold immense power over electoral college. Moderates are also highly influenced by the ideologies and qualities of a political candidate rather than mere party affiliation. The authors propose a more nuanced approach, modeling the broader pattern of response to multiple related policy questions to paint a more vivid picture. And it goes down here. Three distinct voting groups emerge from this new model. Those who hold genuine policy views that fit neatly on the traditional liberal conservative spectrum of ideology. This group comp- comprises nearly three in four Americans, majority of whom hold moderate views. Those whose policy views are random and incoherent, either because they don't pay attention to politics or inattentive when responding to voter surveys. This small group comprising about 7% of Americans are more likely to provide extreme responses than even extreme liberals or conservatives. So what I'm getting, that's end quote. 
what I'm getting is those people that are digesting their information, like we had talked about in the beginning of this podcast episode, is are the people that are voting with a purpose. And that is not talked about enough anymore. Are moderates the only people that are voting with a purpose? Unless you are truly just true to your party and you just know that that's who you want to stand by. Are moderates the only ones that are left who are really voting with, I'm voting for this person because, not I'm voting for this party because. Um, And the less information and the less POVs and perspectives and lenses that people are exposed to because of scroll culture and media being shoved down their throat, they are more likely to become extremists, which makes sense because we are the most polarized since we've been pre-World War II. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's no mistake. And who's creating it? Media. And who's creating media? We don't know. (laughs) The study, and this is uh, continuing on with the article, the study found that the first group, genuine moderates, are particularly influential in on elections. Rather than blind adherence to a particular party, they are highly swayed by the qualities of a particular candidate and willing to switch votes between parties. This group comprised 65% of voters who switched parties between 2012 and 2016 presidential election, followed by more idiosyncratic moderates at 32% of vote switchers. Moderate also moderates also appear to be more discerning and deliberate in their voting pattern than ideal leagues. Our findings show that to the extent elected officials are polarized, it's likely more attributed to mass voting behavior, Fowler said. Many Americans are not ideology ideologically extreme and they are especially important for political accountability and selection there (laughs) end quote there is an actual organization that is worth mentioning that represents this idea of a moderate party they are called the um the stonk moderates it's s-t-a-u-n-c-h and you can find them on stonkmoderates.org where they go deep into their mission Here are a few quotes from the link on their homepage, simply entitled, What are Moderate Political Views? Um, If you're listening to this, Stonk Moderates, we would love to have you on our podcast. You propose some incredible pillars of um, this specific point of view in this lens, and we would just like to hear what you have to say. So, a quote from their homepage. The ideologies have drifted so far apart that there is no longer middle ground on which to reach a compromise. While Republicans and Democrats do sometimes come together to make bipartisan decisions in Congress, the discourse around the core issues remains separate and hostile. Stonk Moderates is a group that exists to restore that lost middle ground that is necessary for for achieving forward progress in our society. We believe that the number of Americans with moderate political views far exceeds what the news represents. As moderates, we believe that productive cooperations is not only possible, but it is also what is best and necessary for the survival of our society. 
We believe that reasoned, thoughtful discussion between people who hold opposing points of view will yield more workable solutions than the dismissive, herd-like dynamics that reduce today's exaggerated political debate into a contest between eco-chambers, end quote. Then they go on to discuss the pillows of their organization, respect, consideration, and positive outcomes. Their platform seems very similar to ours in the fact that they want to revive healthy conversation and debate. They actually want to get somewhere positive and see, notice this last pillar that they're talking about is positive outcomes. Having these conversations within our families and among people in our community, from people all over the political spectrum, will spark these positive outcomes. We will definitely be pulling articles from this resource in the future. I think after reading so much about moderates, I would say how interesting it was to have liberals be so appalled by anyone who identified as moderate. Most of these issues are human right issues. Majority of people are going to want human rights. That's just common sense. Why does it seem like our politicians' agenda, especially those liberals, want to squash this and partition us further? Again, it goes back to knowing who your authors are. So the next time that you're scrolling through TikTok, Instagram, wherever you get your news, even if you're on Snapchat news, know that you are only getting the thinnest layer of the first layer of what is actually happening. Have you ever heard of the iceberg reference where you can only see so much, but there's about like 10 trillion pounds of iceberg that you're not seeing below the surface? That's what we are dealing with here. We are dealing with something much bigger than us that's below the surface. We need to get to the bottom of it. And we were closer when we had newspapers and we had ways to converse with one another and we were able to have these micro conversations and these micro debates and these micro agreements between family and friends and community to look to see what was the root cause. And then it got too real, I think. (laughs) And the media was like, no, 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 let's use this technology to our advantage and let's just go crazy. Um, and divide them. And they they sure did. <laughs> Kudos, because you sure did. Um, I just don't understand why you're not allowed to have different social everyday opinions that are now associated with parties. That used to never be associated with political parties. We will get into this next week when we talk about the education um, in the system and uh, what kids are learning these days and how media is politicized and what they're taking and digesting at school versus what they're seeing in, on their phones um, and how certain things are taught in school. We'll definitely dive into that next week because that's what we are going to aim for. But boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, this was, this was an interesting topic and I really enjoyed it. But I also really am pumped now to give you next week's episode because I really think having this in your brain that there's something bigger going on and us just scrolling through and making decisions that way is not good enough. We have to start having conversations that are really uncomfortable is important. 
And it starts in the classroom. The beginning of when you remember learning about this stuff, that's when it matters. That's where the foundation is built. So uh, we're going to focus a lot about just general education next week. Uh, But I think we're going to dive even deeper into that and talk about how kids learn about uh, different hot button topics, like how kids learn about segregation and diversity and all this stuff. Uh, I want us to talk about that next week as well, but if it gets too much, we're going to make it two episodes because that's a lot. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed and I hope you read a newspaper if you can and digest everything or read a bunch of articles and then sit with them for a while and do things the old-fashioned way because that is the only way to fight this divisive, polarized nation that we are living in. Heck, this nation, no, this world that we're living in. And uh, yeah, so please comment, do all the things on Instagram and uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us messages anywhere and everywhere. Leave us reviews, share with your friends, do all the things. We love you all. Goodbye.